We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and D. Today you have a, a post today or tomorrow. You've got a post going up on silver screen and roll. Give us the, the premise of that, because that's going to be the premise of this pod. So basically, we're in the dog days of summer. Mm-hmm. But as we've discussed a bunch of times, like the Lakers are actively working to try to improve their team. Don't take my word for it. Take Rob Polinka's word for it. Take Jeannie Buss's word mm-hmm. for it. The we're not done has been plastered out there as sort of a mantra of where the team is at this offseason. And since nothing has changed since those comments have come out, you have to assume that they're still not done. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is under the idea of like, could Russell Westbrook return to the Lakers next season? And the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think that, no, he could not. And my sense is that the Lakers need to actually trade Russell Westbrook. And that is not a matter of if, it's not a matter of should they, it's a matter of when to me. Because I'm of the stance now, after thinking about this for a while, that there's just too many factors at play here for him to amicably return and for things to move forward as if none of the past has happened. And that we can discuss this within the context of a fresh start with a new head coach and a whole new roster. And I get all of those points, but I keep coming back to the idea that no, None of that is going to matter more than all that has happened to this point. And so what I wrote about at Silver Screen and Roll is basically that. It's this idea of, yep, the Lakers are going to need to trade Russell Westbrook. And maybe that's like, oh, of course, dummy. But the setup of this summer has been a little bit twofold where the team has been actively trying to trade him, but Darvin Ham has been actively out there doing a lot of media. Uh-huh. He, he's done more media than any Lakers head coach that I can remember. Mm-hmm. 
and he's been very enthusiastic and very out there about his support of Russell Westbrook. He hasn't danced around questions. He hasn't been subtle. He said, I'm looking forward to coaching him. He's so it's it's in context with everything that you've said and, and how we've gotten to this point. That's a super interesting dynamic because that's not that's not what I would expect to coach who's not expecting to coach him to, to talk like. No. And so and this goes back, Pete, to the remember when the rumors before even Darvin Ham was hired and they were talking about the hiring process. And all right. If you remember one of the like breaking news sort sort of reports things was, Hey, you know, the Lakers are interviewing head coaches. And one of the main things they're asking is like, how would you plan to utilize Russell Westbrook? And everyone sort of rolled their eyes at that. And like, Oh, why are you even asking them this? Or why is that even important? No one expects Russell Westbrook to be here next season, yada, yada, yada. But at his introductory press conference, he set the stage for all of this, right? He was just like, y'all got it messed up. He was almost defiant in his approach to the view of Russell Westbrook and then reshaping the path for a return and like what he envisions for him. And, and, and so where I'm at is like, that's great. And I, that's sort of how I expect the new head coach to talk about every player that is under contract for their team. Darvin Ham has talked about. Anthony Davis explicitly. He has talked about LeBron James explicitly. He's even mentioned Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson and other players who were on the roster as sort of what he envisions their role to be. And so I would, in its own way, I would expect no different for Russell Westbrook, who is also under contract for next season, especially after he picked up his player option. But from my position, Pete, they've also been actively trying to trade Russell Westbrook. Those reports are out there. And mm -hmm. like if it was one or two random reports, I would feel like, oh, OK, but well, we also had the report. He also split from his agent, of which we got the very rare insight True. of the agent's perspective saying that, hey, I've been arguing that your best shot is to stay in L.A. and try to make it work with the implication that that was part of the reason why they split. Now, that's an implication, not necessarily true, but that's kind of giving information from Russ's perspective on this, too. Well, also, too, look, with the agent's comments, Thad Boucher or Fouché, I'm mm -hmm. messing Fouché. up his name here. Yeah. He basically confirmed that the Lakers have been actively trying to trade Russ because he specifically said that the market has told us X, which is if Russ is going to be traded, assets are going to need to be attached to him. And then on top of that, the expectation is, or if not the expectation, that that there's a likelihood that he would then be bought out, right? Yeah, nobody be trading for him as the player. It's yes. just to facilitate a move, get a pick. But in saying all of that, the agent has basically confirmed what the reports are. That the Lakers are like, how would he talk about what the market is telling them if there are no discussions out there? So implicitly, we then have confirmation of the reports that the Lakers are trying to trade him because it's right from Russell Westbrook's agent's mouth. And Russ's agent would be in the loop about the things that are going right. on with his client. That's just the setup. My setup is that. OK, you've been trying to trade him. And that's been happening at the executive level, at the head coach's level. The head coach is basically operating under the guise, like in a sense, like 
what he has to do, which is the expectation that Russell Westbrook is going to return. Until he's mm-hmm. not on the roster, he's on the roster. And you have to plan as such. Coaches are short-term, immediate. I got to coach the guys that are on my team. And sometimes the guys on my team are going to change, but they have to be in that mindset. It's one of the reasons why combining the GM and the coaches role That's something that had been tried a lot in the past. You see that less and less because the priorities and kind of the buy-in that you need, even if you're the coach, right, and you're looking to trade a guy, that it's it's hard to to wear both hats. And so however this resolves, I just want to say Darvin Ham has been wonderful in this whole process. I think he's been much needed, and we're going to have a whole pod kind of on, I think, on his positivity and his mindset and and, and outlook on that. But, But back to Russ. Yeah, no, well, just one last point on Ham as well. Don't get me wrong in this. I don't think he's being insincere. Right. I don't think he's like trying to blow smoke. Like, do you remember? He's just in a different role. Yeah. Well, also, too, do you remember when all the reporting was going on around the potential trade of James Harden from the Nets to the 76ers? And Steve Mm -hmm. Nash, he went on the record with the media saying there are no discussions being had. Like, James Harden is not being traded. He said that. at least once, but I think two or three times on the record. And literally a few days later, (laughs) James Harden got traded. Now, do you think Steve Nash wasn't in the loop about James Harden being traded? And so like, and this is nothing against Steve Nash. Like, look, like sometimes you go in front of the cameras and you lie. You lie because it's what's in the best interest of your organization to lie. I don't think Darvin Ham is sitting here no, like neither. concocting a role for Russell Westbrook and like for what? There, there's no reason for that. And so I'm taking Darvin Ham at his word. So I don't want to make it seem like Coach Ham is being duplicitous in any way, right? Or or he's trying to blow smoke at us a- around what he envisions as a role for for Russell Westbrook. I just think though that in the end. None of what he's saying is going to matter or it shouldn't matter because I think the Lakers are going to have to trade him and that if they don't trade him, that they are doing Darvin Ham a a bit of a disservice here because in the big picture, I do not think. I do not think this is going to work out in the way that if he returns, the way that the Lakers would want. So let's go to break here, Pete, because I think that there is some gray area here about what's yeah. best for the team in the big picture and and how you actually accomplish this. And actually, if there is a we have to do it mode. So I want to hear your thoughts about that when we come back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So for me, there's an order of preferred outcomes. The preferred outcome is Russ gets traded. We get back a guy or guys that we're happy with. That Russ ends up in a spot where he's happy. Everyone's happy, right? It's a trade. We Everyone finds a partner for the right compensation and, and a deal gets done um, for the players that everyone wants. But I would rather go into the season with Russ than make a bad trade with Russ. One of our philosophies, and this has been something that's that's been reported uh, in these discussions, has been like you trade picks, future picks for the idea of getting into contention, right? And if the offer on the table – this is my question for you, D. Is, is there a time factor into this of if there's an offer on the table that does not – like you got to give up both future firsts, right? And what you get back does not – you don't look at that and be like, yeah, that's a squad that that could, that could. That's all you ask for, right, is to be in that conversation. I would rather start the season with Russ on the team and wait. And I know that puts us in this not great place. And you were talking about like, and you were talking about like fresh starts and the idea kind of in the context of like, oh, well, you know, maybe things would better be better with sure. Russ and, and Darvin Ham. And I actually think they would be right. I do think that this roster and this coach with this framework is much more conducive to a lot of the things I was talking about last season. Right. That said, Darvin Ham also deserves a fresh start in terms of the importance to the next several years in Lakers history. Darvin Ham's going to be more important to us than Russell Westbrook is going to be. And so there is some degree of like, hey, let's put our new coach in a position to succeed. I just think that this move in particular is so important, what happens with it, that we really have to nail it. And so I would rather wait. And now there's danger in this, and I, I totally get that, but I I would rather wait and be like, look, let's all be professionals. Let's try to make this work as best we can. Let's make progress on this front. Then put ourselves in a position that we can't get out of and that we've given up future assets, meaning that we can't like we can't build a legit championship team off of this. Like this is one I, th I really think we need to, to get right. 
I agree that the Lakers really do need to get it right. That said, a podcast ago, Mike was making an analogy about like marriage and Uh that idea of like happiness. And we were talking about like player happiness, right? Well, the situation of bringing Russ back to training camp is like saying, yeah, well, we're separated, but we're still going to live together for a while. Like, you you know, like, I know you got to move out and I know that you have to find a place, but, yep. but like, yeah, like you can sleep on the couch for a while or there's the spare bedroom that's back there, right? It was it's, an office. It's totally not ideal. I totally it, get it. It was an ideal. office, but we'll put a futon <laughs> back there for you and you can sort of stay until you find something. And then, you know, a few weeks go by and then suddenly there's a knock on the door and it's just like, oh, well, who's this? Oh, well, this is my friend. And, you you know, she's just coming to get me and we're going to go out. Right. And it's just like, oh, oh, really? This is, this is very elaborate, D. This is <laughs> All I'm talking about is there's a level of you're inviting sure. the discomfort. And the poisoned well, too, is like, yeah. So let's go back a little bit. Like Russ. The only thing Russ didn't do at his exit interview was implicate Jeannie Buss and Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis and, and to a certain extent, Rob Palinka. He basically was just like, yep, never felt like myself here. Yep, mm-hmm. head coach. I did some nice stuff for him and he kept basically like making me feel like I had to prove something to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know LeBron and AD said that they wanted me to be me, but we all know. Come on. We saw yeah, it. It was all bad. That, it was all bad. That wasn't true. Right. Yeah. And he basically disavowed almost everyone within the organization that mattered within the locker room structure. Right. And yes, it's a new locker room. But you know who remains is LeBron and AD. And there were reports earlier this offseason about a conversation, a phone conversation that was had between LeBron and AD and Russ and this this will make it work. Like, in theory, they would have had ample opportunity to have the same conversations. They had those same conversations last offseason. They would have had those same conversations throughout the regular season. Right. And my my perspective is is. It's hard for me to envision bringing him back into the fold to start the year and not have that be the predominant story. And of course and, it will be. And not have that be every question be, oh, well, yeah, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? And having to answer questions about that. And the we already saw the spotlight last season in terms of media and Russ's sort of combative nature <laughs> with the media at times. Sure. And I I question when you talk about setting people up for 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 success, I don't think you're setting Russell Westbrook up for success in that way based mm-hmm. off of his history. I don't think you're setting LeBron and AD up for success and you're definitely not setting Darvin Ham up for success. And so I understand what you're saying, Pete, about like, you know, you got to get this right. You can't trade him away with multiple future first round picks and get back players who only marginally help the bottom line in terms of wins and losses. The goal is to be a championship team. 
And if you're not going to do that with Russell Westbrook, but you're definitely also not going to do it with whoever you trade him for, then what is the point? That's right. Why give up the future stuff? And I don't necessarily have a great answer for that besides the fact that, well, you can't bring him back under these circumstances, (laughs) right? And so what are you actually doing here? Like, I think you have to still make the effort to build towards the best version of what you can be with LeBron and AD completely bought in. And I question how that will all play out if you come to camp with him. Where do you stand on sending him home, the the John Wall type of situation, with the idea that, say, we go through this offseason and... Every offer that that's available is like now that's that's too much that we're it fits that description you were just talking about where we make a trade, but it doesn't we don't leave ourselves in a position where we feel like we're a championship contender and we don't have future things to trade to be able to acquire players that that can get us there. So we decide bring Russ back, knowing all of the funkiness that exists that you laid that you articulated, um, but you give it give it a shot. And it doesn't work out, right? This is just a hypothetical. I'm in a spot where, and I think that this would be, I really don't want this, right? I think that there, this is not a good thing for us. But I would rather him be on the roster but not around than trade him for that type of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that the true deadline for this is the trade deadline. Sure. Now, you lose something every bit. Like the idea that you're going to, have this brand new team at the trade deadline that doesn't have any cohesion. And all of a sudden you're a a contender. Part of this is building just beyond this year as well. Um, But I'm curious where you land on that D because to me, that's preferable to a, a a bad trade where you give up too much and you don't have enough to, to get there. So this is where LeBron's looming free agency starts to creep in as a variable to me. Right. So LeBron is extension eligible and he's extension eligible all the way up until like the end of next offseason. Right. So once the league year ends. On July 1st of 2023, then it's a new league league year, but every day up until then, LeBron James is extension eligible. Right. If he does not sign an extension, he becomes an unrestricted free agent and he can go wherever he wants. The hard thing, and this is where, look, I don't have any inside information, and this is basically just me projecting. It's just me projecting my own my own thing that I carry, and it, this is me talking as if I'm putting myself in someone else's shoes, but it's really me in sure. someone else's shoes, right? It's <laughs> not me trying to cosplay. I wonder if you go the route of saying, well, yep, we couldn't get anything done. And so there's $47 million worth of salary cap space. And we're just sending that guy home. Go do the thing that you do without those resources available to us. We know that that's not ideal, but hey, we're thinking about the future. We're not thinking about this year, LeBron James. So is, but is that the message that's sent is that we're thinking about the the future? If the idea is, well, we couldn't make a we couldn't make a deal. We didn't because want to it's include- not good enough for the present, though. That that was that's what the issue is. If you don't make that deal, it's because it's not good enough for for now either. You know. Yes and no. Been a little while since you heard what one, sure. one of those. But yes, <laughs> yes and no, because any player that you get back 
In fact, let's go to break here because this requires even a bigger explanation. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So again, this is yes and no here for me, Pete. It's because there's this idea of addition by subtraction, but there's also the idea of addition by addition. To lose a player for nothing, we saw plenty of that last season. The Lakers lost LeBron James for nothing. They lost Anthony Davis for nothing. Mm -hmm. And they did not have the depth in order to replace that. We've seen the roster, what it is as of today. Well, the day that we're talking, Russell Westbrook currently takes up a roster spot and he takes up roughly 35% of the salary cap, right? My position is they need something, they need some contributions from either that roster spot or that money, or basically both, in order to be a good basketball team oh, next totally season. Agree. Right. Yes. And so my position is when again, when I'm thinking about LeBron James within this con context is it is about the future, because if you're not willing to attach the future draft picks in order to make the trade, that's going to give me some level of contributions from the player that would have been in that slot. Then you're basically telling me that you value that future more than you value the thing that you can get now, regardless of where you think that puts us. Because remember, Pete, you talked about the deadline being February. Yes, that is the deadline for making your team the team that's going to finish the season. That's not just the deadline to trade Russell Westbrook. That's the deadline in order to improve your team at all. So if yeah, you, you trade Russell, that's the only thing that's after that. Yeah. So if you trade Russell Westbrook now and let's say you get back a couple of pieces and you give up future first round picks or whatever, you could still potentially try to make future deals with the things that you get back from Russell Westbrook before the February deadline in order to improve your team again, which is what the Cleveland... So Cleveland did exactly that. When they traded Kyrie Irving, they traded him for all that stuff they got from the Celtics. And then at that next trade deadline, they were just like, yep, this isn't working. We're going to trade these guys again, right? And then we're going to improve our team again. And then that reinvigorated LeBron. And then they made another run to, to the finals. And then they lost in the finals. But, but you get the gist of things that... It, there can be incremental improvement and taking one small step forward could could then push you forward again in order to make another move down yes. the line rather than standing pat and just holding it all in reserve and being like, ah, we tried because the my thing about the we tried angle is 
where does that leave you with LeBron? And potentially, too, man, like, where does that leave you with Anthony Davis, even? Like, mm-hmm. we're looking at a guy like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has four years left on, on his contract. And guess what? He looked around and he was just like, nah, I'm not feeling y'all anymore. Get me out of here. And the Lakers could be very, like, could you envision a scenario where things go poorly this season? LeBron's just like, yep, maybe this isn't for me anymore. And then, a- and then AD looking around and being like, well, what happened to the team that I thought I was going to win championships with? Well, that team's gone. Oh, well, you've got two more years on your contract after this, AD. And he's just like, yeah, well, maybe it'd be better for me to spend those two years somewhere else. And then suddenly you're the Lakers and you're back in the wilderness Again, right now, maybe you've recouped assets and done all all this. This is me forecasting many, many moves down the line. But we remember what it was like when the Lakers were in the lottery every single season. And that was fun in its own right around like, oh, drafting young players and trying to build them up. And I still enjoy the success that Brandon Ingram enjoys or Alonzo Ball enjoys or D'Angelo Russell or Julius Randle, right? I love seeing Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson. Those were all former Lakers. I love watching them around mm-hmm. the league. You know what I loved more? I loved watching yeah. LeBron and Anthony <laughs> Davis win, win a championship. That's that's what I love. And so, sorry, I've been rambling here for, for a minute, but no. it's like that... I keep coming back to the idea of like, nah, y'all got to get something done because it's tricky. I I think more than that, you got to be on the same page with LeBron and AD. Yeah. Right. And that's why, like, I don't think you start the season with like, ah, Russ, just stay home. We'll try to find a trade for you over the course of the season. That's why I do think that trying to make it work first is, and and again, work is a relative term, right? Um, but trying to make the best of the situation, I think is the, the superior option, right? My question for you, to put it bluntly, is do you trade that Second, first. And now, mind you, I really want to emphasize I'm coming from the point of view. I do not care about the 27 first rounder or the 29 first rounder beyond its ability to get us good players in the LeBron James era. So trade those picks. My concern is that what happens at the end of that? So my question for you is, you know, the rumors that are out there. Do you trade that second first for a couple of guys that you don't know can be on the floor in high level playoff games? This is where and I say this a lot. And it sounds like a cop out, but this is where I'm so very happy. I am not a general manager or a vice president (laughs) of basketball operations where these decisions lie solely on me. I will say, though, that there are constructions of deals where, yes, I would. And constructions of deals where I wouldn't actually even care if I got, quote unquote, a third star back for including that second first round pick. I think that if you need to recoup the depth and add good basketball players who can help you in high leverage situations, that is the goal. Like, Mm -hmm. because this is where my belief in LeBron James and Anthony Davis is the strongest. It's not that they need all of this stuff. It's that what they need are very particular types of pieces that can help them a get through a regular season, And then B, support them in the right ways when the postseason comes in order for them to be at their best. Because Mm -hmm. them at their best is what makes the Lakers a championship contender, not a third star and not 
necessarily all of the depth, right? The depth is super helpful, and those guys are going to need to make make plays. And the value of role players, like we value role players, Pete, you and me, we value those guys, right? And so I understand that those guys are going to be important. But my position is like, yeah, I'd give up the picks. I just would. Like the Lakers just bought a pick that was number thirty five. Like I, I feel like down the road, down the and this is another thing too. The Lakers can't trade future picks because they're encumbered, but they're not encumbered because they don't actually have future picks. The Lakers are actually only giving up one more pick in the next seven drafts. It's either the 2024 pick or the 2025 pick the Pelicans can choose. So if they don't take the 2024 pick, it's because they deferred it to the following season and then the Lakers get that pick. So the Lakers get their pick in 2023 for sure. They'll either get 24 or 25, and then right now they get 26, 27, 28, and 29. If they trade 27 and 29, and then they give up 24, for example, they'll have three of their next six first-round picks. And does that sound like a lot? It doesn't sound like a lot, but they'll still have second-round picks. They could buy potentially future second-round picks. There's no saying that they won't be able to trade any of the pieces that they that they currently get or can't make future moves with guys that are already on their roster. It's not like this is all set in stone. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the big picture as there's still lots of things that can happen. But the first thing that needs to happen is this. If this doesn't happen, then, like I said, I think they're setting themselves up for a whole lot of uncomfortableness that is not needed going into next season and then potentially the dominoes start to go in a direction where I start to feel like, well, what are you really doing if you're the Lakers and you say, we love our stars, we appreciate our stars, we're in tandem with our stars only to be like, well, right. we tried, but we couldn't make it Sorry. happen. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sorry, star players. Like you get to play with this sort of stripped down version of the roster while we sent $47 million home. Mm-hmm. That's bad. That's a bad outcome for us. N- no way, no two ways about that. The question though is that, like, so from a theoretical standpoint, like, I'm totally for sending out those those picks though. But we're at the point of the offseason where it's specific trades for specific players. Yep. That uh, to me, like, there's there's one version where it's like, yes, I absolutely send out both firsts, right? Other versions, it's like, eh, I think there are other options. That's the thing, too, is that I think that there are more options for us than and, – and we've gotten some reporting ar- around this, right? I can't get too, too deep into it, right? But the the idea that it's either this or nothing at all, I don't think is necessarily accurate either. So I do – and that's part of the reason why I do think it will ultimately end with a trade is I think that there are places – yeah, there's more than one option on the table, yes. and I think that multiple party parties are motivated enough to make it happen. But that's also, to me, even more of an argument for don't give up everything unless you're giving, getting back something that you really believe in. No, and look, this is where I am supportive of the idea that the Lakers need to make the best deal possible. Of and, course, yeah. And there is a threshold for that where I'll be, I'll be, yes, on one side of this, I'll be fine. Or from fine to ecstatic, right? And then there's a version of this where I'll be like, man, I don't really like that deal, right? I don't really like it. But 
if I end up on that side, the I don't really like this deal side, I will still say adamantly, well, needed to be done. It needed to be done in mm-hmm. order to get the team routed back on a path where they then still have these other things available to them that before the situation as is, I don't think that's a tenable situation. I don't. Do you think training camp is a a deadline for this? I do. Or right around there, right? Like, look, man. Because that's when the funk, that's when the, the like fresh start stuff and the, all all of that, that's when the rubber really hits the road there. If Russ is on the team at media day, that's what's going to dominate the conversation. Russell Mm -hmm. Westbrook on the roster and LeBron James's extension. How, How much does that matter? How much does the conversation and the noise matter? In some markets, very little. I think in other markets, it matters more and more because the noise is just going to be a steady stream of noise. And this is where I think you're doing your head coach a disservice. Remember when Kyrie like wasn't vaccinated? And basically every question at every media appearance that and look, there's media every day in the NBA, every day. You either have a practice, a shoot around or a game. And every day, someone from the team, players and or the head coach, and this is especially true of the Lakers, where the Lakers have star players. Anthony Davis and LeBron do media every single day. They then have to get in front of the camera. They have to field questions and they have to answer to whatever the media is saying. And do I trust that they can deflect? Or do I trust that they can they they can dodge questions effectively? Yes, I do. But the part of me that feels like, is it actually fair to them to have to stand up and answer to all of this? And I don't. I just don't. It's funny. This reminds me a little of the 2008 season where Kobe came into it with the trade demand. Obviously, the, we knew more of what our team was going to be. This is fundamentally a trade that would uh, that would be different, that would change the, the roster. But going into the season with a certain degree of awkwardness certainly reminds me of that. And we shall see uh, if, if anything gets done. But uh, I do think that your topic today in Silver Screen and Roll is on the forefront of the decisions that the front office has to make with Russ over this summer. So should be very interesting. All right, we'll be back tomorrow to talk some more Lakers. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. 
There's the move. Two. Goal. Missing. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.